All right. So that should work. All right. So what is a monster? Let's start with the first image here. Anyone recognize? Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Now, to be fair, his name is not Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein's monster, which I just learned how little I knew about this story because I've only seen the movie and I've never read the book. And apparently the book has a whole bunch of stuff that is not in the movie, including the monster being able to speak, which is sorely lacking in the film other than fire. But he's an iconic image when we think of monster, right? He's one of many of what we call the universal monsters. In fact, this is an image from the universal movies, uh, which are from the same era that we're going into, into the 30s. Um, and many people do think that, although there are many people from that era who despise what Universal did for the monster movie because they kind of commercialized it. They, they simplified the story. And again, having recently learned about the book, I realized how much they simplified the story. Um, a monster we've talked about, Nosferatu. Uh, Nosferatu um, being a stand-in for Dracula. He was on an episode of SpongeBob, but um, he was he was a German expressionist uh, monster first, and again he was supposed to be Dracula, but the rights to the book could not be attained. So the person who made this film, Nosferatu, altered the script enough and changed the names, changed some of the uh, the different characters. But ultimately, it's the story of Dracula. Was that a dude that, um, in that video we had a dude? Was he in that? Yes, he was one of them. Yes, ma'am. Um, Next up, you may not know him by name, but uh, Cesare. Does anyone remember what movie he's from? Cabinet of Doctors. Uh, it's, it's a hard name, Caligari. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. He is the essentially what would become almost a zombie-esque figure because he appears to be dead and he rises. Um, he's the monster who's stalking the, the, the lead female. In fact, uh, these two both have that in common. They're both stalking a lead female. They're chasing a, a singular uh, desire. And then... The uh, android or robot person, Metropolis, Metropolis, which is one of the other uh, German expressionistic films. It's considered by many to be one of the first entries into traditional sci-fi, although A Trip to the Moon qualifies as a sci-fi film as well. Sci-fi fantasy. But these four are all monsters, right? Now... What about the story of Frankenstein? How, how, has anyone read the book? I, I figured you had because you seem to know. What about, has anyone seen the movie? Especially the old movie, the Universal movie. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about it for a minute. So in Frankenstein, we have a doctor named Frankenstein who uses uh, limbs and organs from dead people to recreate life. His goal is to basically defy God and create life, something that has not been done. And so he builds this creature. Now, in the movie, it goes a little silly, which I didn't realize. I, my understanding is the book is severely different. But I'm going to go with the movie because that's what I'm familiar with. And this is a film class. The, when his assistant goes to get a brain, he gets the brain of a, a serial killer. And so when he puts the brain in and he uses electricity, lightning, to raise the monster, the brain's not good. So he's struggling with that concept. Um, I hope I'm right on that. Hey, your stuff's over here. Are you still testing? Uh, no, I, um, 
Oh, okay. So you're still testing. Um, now, the monster struggles throughout the film to deal with his existence. And it's partly because he's, a cre he's an abomination. He's created from dead things and has been brought back to life. And he tries multiple times to kind of fit in, but he, something always goes a little off. And the big key moment in the movie, he sees a little girl throwing uh, flower petals into the water. And he joins, having fun, and they're having fun. And it's like, oh, this is great. And then he's like, oh, this is so much fun. He picks the little girl up and he throws her in the water. Because, you know, it was fun. Now, he kills the little girl by doing that. Uh, and then the villagers, of course, want justice because he's a monster. And that's how the movie kind of plays out. But he never, he didn't mean to hurt anyone, but he did. Um, Nosferatu, a little harder to argue that he doesn't mean to hurt anyone, but in the story of Dracula, um, he's, he's betrayed, and that's how he ends up becoming the vampire that he is that lives forever. And so there's always this kind of idea of like vengeance within that story. Dr. Cal Caligari, the person who tells us about this monster is in a mental institution. He's an unreliable narrator. So the whole time he's telling us about this monster, he, about he could be talking about himself or he could just be a monster in and of his own way that he's manipulating us. He's tricking us maybe to ensnare us or trap us. And so we can't trust the story of this monster. And here with the android, while I am far less familiar with the story of Metropolis, we create this monster. It's our own ambitions. It's our own technology that pushes us to create this. And so there's that theory, that idea. And this question that German expressionism often asks is, what is a monster? Are these really the monsters of the stories that they're in? Or is it somebody else? Dr. Frankenstein made the monster. Is he then the monster? Because he chose to defy nature and try to you know, create his own version of life, his own twisted experiment. Nosferatu, again, it's a little harder, I think, in this version of the film to clearly see it. But, you know, there are some, some factors, if you were to watch the film, where you could argue maybe he's not as bad as the other people, or maybe they're both bad. Maybe they're both monsters. Now let's look more specifically toward the film we just watched. There are four characters that take a prominent place in the film. John Merrick, Bites, Dr. Treves, and the Porter, who does not have an official name throughout the film, but he is essentially, if you're not familiar with the term Porter, he's the custodian, he's the maintenance man, he's the janitor at the, at the hospital. <coughs> if we were to look at these four, the physical monster, the one that people call a monster, the one who is taunted and mocked and people are reviled by is John. People see him and they cringe. People see him and they turn the other way or they harass him. I mean, the end sequence when he's uh, in the subway and he's being chased first by the kids and then the adults start coming after him. What, what triggers the adults to start coming after him? The kids. Partly the kids, but what does he do? Just runs away. He knocks the girl down, and it's, it seems to imply he stomps on her, like not on purpose, but like he's trying to run past her, 
and he steps on her. Now, think about the elephant man and elephants trampling. So I think there's a definite correlation there. But also, going back to Frankenstein. Frankenstein kills a little girl, and then he's chased by an angry mob into a house where they set, set it ablaze to kill the monster. He's chased by an angry mob into a corner, and he screams something. Does anyone remember what he f screams, Brock? I'm not a monster, I'm a human being. Very, very close. I'm, a, I'm not an animal, I'm a human being. I'm not an animal, I'm a human being. And that's the same idea, though. I think exactly, while he says animal, I do think he's saying, I'm not a monster. I'm not some abomination. I'm a, I'm a person. I just have, you know, this disfigurement. Bites. Multiple times refers to John as his property. I'm the owner, he says. Now, throughout history, slavery has been looked at as one of the most deplorable acts in any capacity. And again, when I say slavery, I don't necessarily mean the American slaves. I mean slavery in any country, in any form, has been looked at as a deplorable act. And he, referring to John as his property, puts him at a level of despicability much, much higher than most. But then also how he treats John. Dr. Treves sees John. And throughout the movie, he's dealing with a moral conflict internally, which is what? What is Dr. Treves struggling to grasp about himself? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's got this, am I doing this because it's the right thing? Or am I doing this because it's the right thing for me? It's going to make me more successful. People are going to think highly of me. I'm going to get my name in all the history books. Or am I doing this because I see a man who needs assistance? And he doesn't know the answer. And that's why there's a conflict. He wants to believe he's doing the right thing to do the right thing. But, and then there's the conversation he has with Mrs. Motherhead about the, the people coming to see John when the wealthy start coming in. And she stops him and she's like, I don't think you should let people like that see him. And they have an argument and she's like, they don't, they don't care about John. They care about what being with John means to them. So it's like, if you, every Saturday for your entire life, you go and you donate your time to helping the care center. But you don't tell people. You don't post, like you're not posting selfies like, I'm at the care center, you know, volunteering. You do it every week. Tell no one. Because you're not doing it for recognition, you're doing it because you care to help people. And you think you're doing a good thing. Now, does that mean getting recognition makes you a bad person? If you are going every week and you tell everybody and you post it, you're still helping people. And that, I don't have an answer. But that is his conundrum here. Is he's doing a good thing. John is better off, he's healthy, well, as healthy as John can be, given what's going on with him. He's got, a, at the very least, a much better quality of living than he had with Bites, for sure. He's not being thrown in a cage, although, I mean, maybe to a degree he's thrown in a cage. He's not locked in a cage, but there is some semblance. And then Porter. Porter, janitor, uh, maintenance man. He's not wealthy. He probably scrapes by a living. He enjoys, you know, the simple pleasures of life. Alcohol, women, 
and money. And to have the first, he needs more money. And he sees an opportunity with his position and his access to make money. How does he treat John overall? Awful. How come? Like, what makes you say awful? Yeah, I mean, John's definitely not okay with people just coming to make fun of him, right? What? How do you claim him as his property? Like, he owns him until. He definitely treats him like it's something that it's his to show, kind of thing. And the last time that he brings, he brings a lot of people to come look at. In the, now, it's implied that he just has them look through the window. Like, that's like a zoo, essentially. But the last time, Bites is there. And he encourages the drunk people to get a closer look. And they force their way into the room. What does he do then? Does he stop them? No. He, they, they go into the room. He takes something out and he puts it in front of John. Does anyone remember what it is? A mirror. A mirror. Now, again, early in the film, if you're paying close attention, Miss Motherhead, when they moved into the new room, said, never, ever let a mirror in this room. Implying that maybe John's never even seen himself. John just knows he looks different because of how people react, but maybe John has never seen himself. And when he sees the reflection in the mirror, he screams in horror, just like everybody else. Because, well, self-image how we see ourselves. John doesn't see that when he thinks of himself. And that revelation is tough, and that man did it to him. And we can assume that he knew, because he brought the mirror. It wasn't like a, a small hand mirror. It was like a square mirror that he must have brought with him with the intention of sh like doing that, which doesn't totally add up in terms of plot, but it does add up in terms of character, the man that Porter is supposed to be. So the question within this film that's being explored is, what is a monster? If we follow the people, the characters in the movie, John is the monster. But if we analyze the characters for their behaviors and how they treat other humans in the film, including John, we might have a different answer. And that is an important part of today's conversation. So I'm going to give you this article. Um, that kind of goes a little deeper into the same conversation that we just started. And feel free to highlight this or mark it up however you want. There's also going to be a digital copy on Schoology. So if you lose it, there's a backup on there. Of course, if you highlight this, you won't have a backup. Yes, ma'am. And it's not too long, um, and there's, there's a couple of pictures on there too, so I think that'll keep it a little shorter. Um, I'm going to give you a few minutes to read through the article, and uh, then we're going to wrap up this conversation and move into our project conversation.